All right, and we'll have the Go Ye Kids to go with Mrs. Montoro and the rest of us. Let's take our Bibles, and uh, I hope you don't mind me doubling up lessons like this, but this will allow us to finish uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians before Thanksgiving. And just remember, uh, this week we'll be meeting Tuesday night instead of Thursday night, and uh, so... Uh, and Tuesday will be our special Thanksgiving service. And uh, I would really like you to start thinking now. Uh, we gave some excellent, excellent testimonies tonight. But uh, try to think of, uh, 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 try to work on some praises that you can say in just a little phrase. Uh, like fellowship in our church. God's Word, something like, because we like to sing that song, Count Your Blessings and Stop. And if we can get just some people ready with some special phrases there, something that you're thankful for, something God has done in your life, uh, we can have a lot of fun with that on Tuesday night. And so let's uh, be in our place and be prepared for that, that we may have a, a special service here. But Let's start in verse 13 of First Corinthians, First Thessalonians, chapter four. Pray with me. I got something going on. I can't wear my contacts, and my bifocals aren't bifocusing quite right here. And so, hopefully, we can figure this thing out. But verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, what we covered the last time was the fact that this, as Paul is explaining this, this is one of the prophecies in the New Testament, has yet to be fulfilled. In fact, when we get to the book of Second Thessalonians, we're going to find out that somebody had written a letter to the church at Thessalonica saying that Jesus has already come, you missed it, you're done, forget about it, and really disturbed, and the Bible says actually overthrew the faith of some. Now, if someone can overthrow your faith with a lie, then we got to ask a question. What kind of faith did you really have in the first place? But you know what the Bible says? It says, even if we believe not, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny his own. Aren't you glad that verse is in the Bible? Your salvation does not depend upon you believing in God. Your salvation is obtained by believing in God. But praise God, if I lose my mind, if Alzheimer's takes over, in fact, I need to remember here, I'll forget, a preacher friend of 
uh, of ours. Um, Brother Randolph told me about him. Uh, his name is, um, what is his first name? Uh, Brother King. Richard King, yes. Richard King. Uh, uh, he has, was just diagnosed this week with advanced Alzheimer's and has to resign his church. In fact, he's doing that today. And uh, his family's going to move to Houston in hopes of some kind of treatment there. But even if you get to a situation like that where you can't remember and you can't comprehend what's going on around you, you don't lose your salvation. Aren't you glad about that? It is God that saves us and keeps us saved. And, and Paul is reminding us that the Lord is coming. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together, it says, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, um, there's a song, Andrew, that might be good for either our ladies' group. I think our ladies' group did it once. There's going to be a meeting in the air and the sweet, sweet by and by. Just a beautiful, beautiful song. One of those ones you sing. And, and once you sing it, that melody will just pop into your head from time to time. And, and it'll be an encouraging thing. And maybe we need to try to do that again uh, sometime through this coming year. But... I want you to think about these events as they are outlined here. It says, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. He's going to descend from heaven. He's going to hover there in the clouds. He is going to sound the trumpet, the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, it's really important that we pay attention to the words. Because if you read Zechariah chapter 14, where it talks about Jesus coming at the end of the tribulation with the armies of God, as, as is referenced in Revelation chapter 19, as the battle of Armageddon is fought, it says that in that day His foot is going to touch the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. And the Jewish people living in the city of Jerusalem are going to run into the valley created by that great earthquake. And the battle of Armageddon will ensue where the blood flows as deep as the horse's bridle. All the way down the Jordan Valley from Jerusalem up towards the Sea of Galilee. It's an incredible thought and, and terrifying story. Now, we have a lot of confusion out there concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. And people try to take these two events and make them the same event. So how could Jesus come and meet us in the air and His foot touch the Mount of Olives if we're meeting in the air. Uh, it, there is nothing in the book of Revelation 
uh, or Zechariah about a resurrection from the dead, but there is one here. And so, obviously, we believe that we're talking about two separate events. Here, we're talking about the rapture of the church. We're talking about the believers being removed at the beginning or just before the tribulation period begins so that the Antichrist can be revealed. Now, if somebody showed up doing miracles, real miracles, not Benny Hinn stuff, but I mean real miracles, and claimed to be Jesus Christ, what would your first response be? Antichrist! That's exactly what the Bible... Wouldn't we? Because that's what the Bible teaches. Well, if we're still here to point our finger at the Antichrist, that's going to kind of hinder God's plan. Has anybody watched the, uh, oh, what was the name of those things? Uh, Pierce Bronson was one of the stars, and it was uh, about the coming of the Lord. They had three or four Left Behind series. I wish we could leave behind the Left Behind series. Uh, uh, I guess it could be considered good entertainment if you like that stuff, but it's really, really bad theology, okay? Uh, how many of you have ever read and studied uh, the history of a real event and then watched the movie they made about it? You get disappointed every time. It never works. Uh, And so, just multiply that times 10 or 20, and you'll see how short these left-behind movies come of our Bible. So, uh, let's, let's not just, not only let's not go there, let's just stay away from that as far as we can. But, We believe the Lord is going to remove the church. We call that the pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church. And we arrive at that by comparing many scriptures which we do not have time to go through tonight. But all I want you to see is in Revelation 19, Zechariah 14, where Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom on earth is very different than the events that are described here. And yet, these events are exactly in line with Acts chapter 1, when the angels look at the disciples and says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, he's going to come how? In like manner. Oh, we're going to meet them in the clouds. Does that qualify as like manner? It sure does in my book. How about yours? Uh, it's just that simple. Let's, let's follow the Bible pattern. And we've got comfort in the fact that even if we lay our loved ones in the arms of death, we are separated, we, we bury that one It's not goodbye forever. It's goodbye till Jesus comes. 
It's a temporary party. I don't know of any greater comfort. Both of my parents now are with the Lord. My father in 1979, my mother just a few years ago. And, you know, the only comfort I have is I'm, I'm going to get to see them again. But it's going to be different than here on earth. It's we will be one with the Lord Jesus. Someone, well, many people over the years have asked a question. We might as well take just a moment and chase this thing down. He said, you know, I've been married to this person my whole life. And when I get to heaven, I'm not going to have that same relationship. What, what is it going to be like in heaven? Well, we have to understand what the Bible says. Right here it says forever we're going to be with the Lord. Do you understand that we're going to be closer to the Lord Jesus than we have been to any person here on earth when we're in heaven? He will not have to talk to us and give us instructions. And it's not going to be all the sci-fi, what do they call it, mental telepathy? We're going to know what Jesus wants us to know. We shall know as we are known. Now, let me ask you a question. If we're that close to Jesus, if we're one with Christ, how much closer are we going to be to each other? You see, we are going to share our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as one body, as the church in heaven. We are going to be closer to our loved ones here than we have been to any other. Our relationship is going to be in perfect agreement with the will and desires of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're not going to be worried about things. And you know what? We're never going to argue about a thing. We're, we're never going to be in disagreement. Uh, never going to hear. You should have asked directions. Uh, or, well, my wife doesn't do that. Uh, but... You're never going to make a wrong decision again. Because you're never going to make a decision. Because God is going to put His knowledge in us. I will tell you, if you can't be comforted thinking about these things, you've got to leak. It's got to be fixed. Amen? I mean, there's just something wrong. Understanding that we are going to be changed. We're going to be one with the Lord Jesus. We're going to be ever with the Lord. And we are to comfort one another with those words. I, I just don't get it. We have a group of people that say, Oh, we're, we're going to be raptured during the tribulation period. In the middle of the tribulation period. Because the first half is going to be relative peace. Well... The four horsemen are in the first half of the revelation. Uh, that red horse that takes away peace from the earth and pay, uh, the pale horse, which is death and hell, carrying death and hell. And, 
and uh, uh, famine and pestilence. All those things are going to happen in the first three and a half years. And by the way, how in the world, when we, get, when we go right here through the next, it says that that day is going to come as a thief in the night. How in the world could that happen as we read the book of Revelation and it begins to give us the events of the book? We're going we're gonna to know and understand. We're going to be able to track this thing. And that is not God's intent for His servants as we move on. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Paul is writing, in, in, and I want to just remind us of one thing. Paul is always using the second person inclusive pronoun, we. He says, we, we, we which are alive and remain, we are going to be caught up in the air. Now, uh, as I love a play on words, we always includes me now, doesn't it? I mean, we are going to have some ice cream. Those are very pleasant words around our house. You know why? Because we includes me. And I'm going to get some. Hey, Paul expected Jesus to come back in his lifetime. And it's amazing. I read in these books and they'll tell us, well, no one... Uh, the, the idea of the eminent return of Christ is a newfangled idea invented by the dispensationalists. And, and they go on and on and on and on and on. Oh, there's such drivel. No, the Apostle Paul believed Jesus was coming in his time. I think that's a good thing for us to believe as well. Amen? And so we move on. He says, you... Excuse me, let's try it this way. Ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, let me ask you a question. How did the Thessalonians know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night? Because Paul had already taught them. He had already explained these things. This is one of the themes of the book of Thessalonians, first book of Thessalonians is the fact that even though Paul was very limited in the amount of time that he was with them, no more than just a couple of months, maybe as little as four to six weeks, Paul explained to them, and apparently the Thessalonians were taking notes. Uh, I mean, they did something. They remembered what what Paul had taught, and so he is reminding them in this letter, it says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, listen. How many movies do they make? The person is walking and you hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, or whatever they're playing in the background, and all of a sudden, ha! And it's, you know, you're sitting there, ha! When, when, why don't we ever get tired of that? We, we ought to be tired of that. Do you know that? Because we know it's going to happen, don't we? 
But amusement rides at Disney World and Kings Island and all of these places are still... We, we like to scare ourselves. Can I tell you something? We have never lived in a day and a time where there are more people crying peace and safety than they are today. Except when President Trump shows up. <laughs> Anytime he shows up, it's death and destruction. He's going to destroy us all. Uh, so it, it, it's actually been a refreshing change as far as I'm concerned. How about you? Uh, but as soon as President Trump walks off the, the stage, everything is back to peace and safety. We are going to... Uh, I, I never will forget the words of our Mayor Giuliani who said, we can handle this. He's talking about 9-11. You know, there are some things that God never meant you and I to handle on our own. We, we need to depend upon the Savior. Can we say amen to that? We, we need to walk with Him. Listen, upon the earth, this is going to come. But look at verse 4. But brethren, ye are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with, here, with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, what wonderful words are here. We're going to take... This warning. We are children of the light. We can see. How can I be prepared for the Lord to come at any moment? Serve Him right now. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord came and we're all sitting here in church? I was where I was supposed to be. I, I heard one preacher tell the story. I think I've related it. He said he, was, he, he hoped that he was getting a, a speeding ticket when the Lord came. And the police officer stand there writing the ticket, and he disappears. I don't, I don't know that I'd want to explain that to the Lord. Do you? I, I wouldn't want to be. He went on to finish the story, but if the policeman were saved, then maybe he would finish the ticket on the way up. I don't know. But uh, um, the, the truth of the matter is, I want to be serving Jesus when He comes. Amen? I want to be where Jesus wants me to be. I don't want to have to apologize. We're children of the light. We don't need to be asleep at the wheel. You know, it's easy maybe not to get weary in well-doing, in serving the Lord. But you know, it's easy to get numb. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
just shift into neutral? Okay. Yeah, I've been going to church for 20 years. I kind of got this. I know I got, I got it down. We're just going it, to... It's easy for us just to go through the motions of our Christianity. We, we need to put on the breastplate of faith and love. I like that. Because what is the love of God? That we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. How do we keep His commandments? Think faith might have something to do with that? Absolutely. Faith produces living works. It produces obedience. So Paul is taking that breastplate of faith, that is uh, a shield of faith, but he's talking about a breastplate of faith and love and uh, when I teach through Ephesians chapter 6, as we have on many occasions here, about the armor of God, the helmet of salvation is not your salvation because your salvation protects your entire being. But God uses the hope of our salvation to protect our mind from the snares of the devil. No matter what you have to endure on this earth, you have to understand that it's not even a period at the end of the sentence concerning eternity. If your whole life is spent in suffering and pain, and yet you are saved, when you get to heaven, compare your life of seventy, a hundred years, to eternity. How many of you have ever seen those uh, pictures of the of the planets in their different sizes? I was going through uh, changing all my files over and trying to save everything, and I found uh, copies of those pictures I got off. Of. We used them when we were talking about creation, and you start out with uh, 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 the planets, and the Earth becomes a little dot just next to Jupiter and Saturn and And then we put the sun in the picture, and you can hardly see the earth compared to the sun. And then we go into the stars, and all of a sudden our sun becomes a little dot. And then the star that makes our sun a little dot becomes a little dot on the last picture. And I mean, the the size of some of those stars in heaven are so beyond our imagination But God made them all. Amen? And all we need to do is hope in the Lord because He has not appointed us unto wrath. He's appointed us unto salvation. Go back to chapter 1, verse 10. It says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I I believe that's talking about the tribulation period. I believe that Jesus has promised His deliverance to His church, that He's going to take us out before those things happen, and we can comfort ourselves that whether we wake, whether we live, or whether we die, we're going to see Jesus. 
And it says that we're to comfort ourselves together and we're to edify each other. And so now we get into the last little section here. And really there is not a lot of exposition, I believe, that is needed on this. Just a a quick review of all the things that Paul says. This is probably the most lengthy and complete list uh, of things that, uh, that Christians ought to do in the entire Bible. And Paul just, uh, it's just like he says, okay, I got just a few things to remind you. And I mean, he just starts and he doesn't even take a breath until he gets to the end of the book. And uh, and we're going to take a breath tonight. But uh, uh, it says here in uh, verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So the first two verses here he spends, and he says, You need to esteem your pastor very highly in love because of their work's sake. Now, I'll admit it's a little awkward for me to uh, go through this passage, but this is what it says. And we got to follow the Bible. Uh, This is one of the biggest problems that we're having at Community Baptist Church. The pastor felt the Lord had called him to another place, and he tried to put things together so that when he left it, the church would continue in good stead, and it hadn't worked out that way. The man that he had tried to get called in rescinded his... He At first, he said, I'll come and be your pastor. Then he got there, and he said, no, I'm not going to be your pastor, and left and took another church in the area. And, I mean, it just it's just a mess. And so I went to the church, and this morning in Sunday school, I taught through Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some. I said, your problem is, some isn't here. And so the, uh, the trustees of the church met and said, okay, we want you to be our some, temporary, so will you, will you do that? And I don't know how to say this except, thank you, church, because you're the ones that are carrying the extra the ones that are here on prayer meeting night, you're the ones that are doing the extra things so that we can keep this church from closing. And there are just certain things that only a pastor can do for a church. And I want you to pray that God gives us that man so that I don't have to do this very long. Uh, That is my prayer. And, And would you covenant with me to pray about that? so that we can get a man installed. And I am sure that we'll have to just kind of be there in advisory for at least several months after the pastor comes in. But certainly, uh, it will be a, a, a good thing. And so, then it talks about other people in the church. And be at peace among yourselves. You know, sometimes there... Uh, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have been irritated with someone else who is a member of our church at one time or another? Almost every hand would have to go up. You know what? But if we'll stop and think about that, 
and say, was it really that big of a deal? Be at peace among yourselves. That's what Paul's saying. This is what we need to do here. And then it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. We have someone that's just not following the rules, someone who is doing things that aren't right. The Bible says we're to exhort them. Hey, where were you Sunday? I missed you. You're supposed to be in church. Now, don't be mean about it. Some people were doing that. We couldn't figure out what was going on, and we had a person a while back just running around. (laughs) That's not what it's talking about here. How many of you have needed exhortation in your Christian life? I certainly have. Exhort one another as you would desire someone to help you. Amen? That's what it's talking about here. And then, comfort the feeble-minded. Do we have to spend a lot of time explaining that? We, we, we need to be careful to comfort one another. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Even those that drive on the LIE. Um, excuse me, that's in the original language. Uh, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. You know, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, according to the Bible, you never have to choose the lesser of two evils. You follow that which is good. Now, we're talking about personal decisions. When, uh, if you voted in the last election, you, you just have to choose the best rat in the race. All right? Hold your nose and, and pick the one that is the least offensive to God. But what we are talking about here is choices in my life. The devil loves to put you in a position where you're going... Well, if I do this, I'm going to do wrong. And if I do this, I'm going to do wrong. And if I do this, I'm going to do wrong. I don't have any choice but to do wrong. That is never true. Follow that which is good. And if you can't follow good, just stand still for a minute. The Bible says God will make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God wants us just to follow good. Take a step toward righteousness. 16. Rejoice evermore. 17. Pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 and a quarter days a year, I should be on my knees with my eyes closed saying, Dear Lord Jesus, no. Uh, I have been the pastor of Open Door Bible Baptist Church for over 26 years without ceasing. You know, because that's, that's been my main employment for all these years. But I do other things. And when it says pray without ceasing, it 
make your life guided, directed, and about prayer. Almost every failure in your life will be because of a prayer failure first. Every time we come short, if you look somewhere, you'll find a failure in prayer before a failure in behavior. Pray without ceasing. What's the next one? I got them out of order on the outline here. Sorry. Uh, No, I didn't. Okay, there we go. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That will solve so many problems in your life. If you can stop and say, Okay, God, I don't feel good. I don't like this. But I'm going to thank you for putting me in this situation because I know you are good and I don't understand. I don't want to understand. I just want to be obedient. God will bring you through that time. Give thanks in everything. Quench not the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Not through an audible voice, not through direct revelation, most often through bringing to your remembrance what is already written down in the Word of God. Don't drown out the Spirit. Don't just, you get depressed, you get frustrated with life, don't put on your headphones and turn up the volume so you can't hear anything. And and be careful. You can tune in to the wrong voice. You, you better stay with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, despise not prophesying. So I put in your notes here. Remember Galatians 1, 7 through 10. That though we or an angel from heaven gives any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Uh, I've heard uh, charismatic people say, It says, despise not prophesying. And so if I prophesy... And my first statement is, how accurate are you? Do you really want to do that? Because the Bible says that if you miss one word of your prophecy, you're guilty of capital crime in the Old Testament. Well, that's the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. Well, God didn't change the standard in the New Testament. That's why there are no prophets today. And, by the way, that's why your word is 100% accurate. But I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say about uh, other preachers and things, and people have even said it about me. As I preach, I say, well, you know, pastor's a little strict. You know, that's despising prophesying. Because the prophet not only foretold, he foretold. And that is the main job of the prophet today. And so be careful. Give the preacher the benefit of the doubt. As long as he's preaching the word of God. Amen. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Doesn't that fit right in there? You hear something. 
And I've had people come up and say, I heard you preaching and you said, and they went, no, no, no. I said, I, I don't think I ever said that. Somebody was, oh, I think it was you told me about the guy you met. And he said that I said his cousin was going to hell. And I'm sitting there going, he's never coming to this church ever again. And I'm sitting there going, I would have never said your cousin was going to hell just out uh, uh, like that. I, that. It's ridiculous. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Do you know how many problems in your life that will solve? If we're riding the line between the world and serving the Lord, we're going to be perceived as doing wrong things. But if we're walking in the way of righteousness as we should be, it's going to help us as we serve the Lord. Amen? Now we just got a few things here. Here's what's going to happen. And this is Paul's prayer. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. As in W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely. To be completely holy. Holy, holy. Actually, W-H, holy, completely, holy. H-O-L-Y. That's what Paul's praying here. Now look what he says. And I pray God... Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does that happen? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. If we will just walk, God is not interested in saving only your soul, He wants all of you. Every moment, every day, every thought, every wish, every emotion. If we will give them to God, He will save us and preserve us. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. Can we trust God? Then how come when we get ready to push our panic button, we forget who God is? When we get pressed out of measure. It says, Paul says, I'm praying that God has your whole soul your whole body, your whole spirit, everything here preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord. God is faithful. He can do it. He will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Paul says, don't forget to pray for us. And then, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now that is the custom of the day. Uh, I, I like our custom here in America where we greet each other with a holy handshake. Amen. And uh, there was a man out at uh, uh, community this morning. He, he stuck around for the business meeting afterwards and he comes up and says, you're my pastor now. And shook my hand. And then five minutes later he came up and says, I'm just going to shake your hand again before I go. And then he came up again and said, I just got to do it one more time before I leave. You know what? He was just excited. He had been there since the first service Brother Fryman had. And he was just in, in turmoil about what was going on in the church. 
And he's so excited. And just, you know what? We should express our love one toward another. Amen? I I remember a fellow came up and tried to kiss my wife one time. And said, it says, greet all the brethren with the holy kiss. I said, my wife isn't your brother. Uh, There's a difference there. And, And I don't think it was very holy. And in fact, if you want to make an issue of it, I might, uh, I might make some holes, right? No. Uh, uh, it's not going to be fun. He thought I was very unspiritual. But I, I'm not being unspiritual. I'm protecting my wife. You see, the Lord says that we ought to care and love one another. But it says we need to treat one another with respect. There, there needs to be. A little distance here on earth. There needs to be a separation. There needs to be a holy relationship. When we get to heaven, we're going to be close. But let's make sure we keep it righteous here on earth. Amen? And then he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Now, you know what people said? Oh, Paul, when he was writing, he didn't understand he was writing Scripture. He was just writing a letter like... No, he understood exactly what he was doing. Right here, he said, I, by the Lord, I want this letter read by all the holy brethren. Are you saved today? Then you ought to read this book. That's what Paul said, all the holy brethren. That includes us today. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You know, that's the only way anything works, is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, 